Hey everyone, welcome back to the MatchNet podcast. This is your best buddy, Benji, and we have here, who are you? What's your name? Uh, my name is Kathy. Hey, Kathy. It is so good to have you. In fact, one of our most listened to episodes, if you can guess what it might be on the MatchNet podcast, what would you guess? I would assume maybe it's the one we did on crushes. Yeah, yeah, we did an episode about crushes uh, several months back, and it is actually, in fact, one of our more most referred to episodes. It's something that a lot of people are dealing with, and a lot of people uh, liked like the content that we presented. So I had Kathy come back because I loved having a conversation with her, and uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to me because, in fact, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are just just up our alley and i'm i'm happy to report that most of our listeners according to spotify are male if you were to guess the demographics kathy what would you guess for our podcast Uh, i i thought it would have been female it's interesting it's very interesting so i'm pulling up spotify right now uh, which is just one of the platforms that this podcast is on we have youtube uh, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc so for male for gender it's male 61 percent uh, female 35% and then other is, I guess Spotify doesn't know. So there you go. Uh, the ages, the age range is, let's see, the largest demographic is 23 to 27. It's 45%. Okay. The second largest is 18 to 22 year olds, 40, 40%. And then next is 10% of our listeners are 28 to 34 years of age so and of course the united states is the largest demographic united kingdom is second and then a lot of european countries canada etc etc anyways i'm just saying that guys because it's more than more than ego inflating like oh great we have a lot of people you know it's like it's it's humbling when you find something that you care about and you are just sharing because you you from the bottom of your heart believe that this blessing uh is something that is transformative for people and for couples and for society spiritually speaking as well. And when you have an opportunity to share about that and you have a lot of people resonate with that that message, it's humbling more than anything because you realize that you have such a important role to play in this and it's it's just beautiful. So anyways, just want to mention that. And Kathy is here to talk about today's topics. So we're doing something special today. Actually, before we before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself real quick for people that don't don't know you? Okay. Um yes, thank you for having me on, Benji. It's always um really fun to be able to do this. Uh, so I'm glad to be on. And um, yeah, so my name is Catherine Katze. I go by Kathy. And um, I am currently, well, I'm a mother of three. I was blessed in 2014. I currently live in Florida. I'm just moving there about a year and a half ago. Uh, my children are four, three, and a almost seven month old. Um, uh, serving on a public mission basis. I am the subregion two blessing coordinator, as well as a matching supporter and blessing interviewer. Um, and I'm more on an external profession side. I'm in health and fitness as a personal trainer. So that's a little bit about me. Fantastic. Very nice. Yeah. So we're going to have an interesting question uh, topic today because we have tons of tons of tons of questions that we've received over the last few years from listeners, from workshop participants, from everywhere. And we've compiled a large document, a Google Doc of questions that we are hitting off one by one in podcast episodes, et cetera. And so um, there were a few of them that Kathy thought stood out to her, but we hope to get to, to, to several of them today. Uh, but overall, the general theme of today's episode is 
is the underlying question of how do we as individuals who are preparing for matching, going to the blessing, creating families, how do we invite actually God into that process, right? And I think an important question is why do why do we even have this desire to invite God into our matching process? Because it's a very foreign concept that a lot of, I guess, societal views don't really portray or emphasize on bringing God or spirituality into your matching process, right? Um, so let me, I want to hear your perspective on this is how does God actually work in, in these relationships? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's a great question. And when I looked at that document that you had sent over to kind of pick and choose what uh, questions I'd like to answer, I think one of the very first ones were, you know, do you love God or how, how can you find God more important than anyone in your family? Because we hear from true father all the time, love God more than your country, more than your family, more than your spouse, more than your children. And um, and we say, yeah, that's right, I can do that. But how do you actually do that? What does that look like? Um, so I think, you know, being in this movement and having such an emphasis on a God-centered um, marriage, God-centered relationship, um, it, it's, it needs to be concrete because otherwise, um, it's just theoretical. And um, then we kind of just say it for the sake of saying it. So how do you invite God into your relationship? And um, so should we touch on that question now? Yeah, but also I, there's, there's I think people when hear hear that, there's a camp of people that are like, yeah, I really want God in my relationship and I want to love God more than my own spouse. And they're excited about that. But if I think a lot of people, maybe because I'm like this, when I hear that, my first reaction is like, whoa, like that's, that's kind of extreme, don't you think, right? So I think there's perhaps more to why True Father says that than literally like we should count how much we love our spouse and we should count how much we love God and we should make sure that the threshold of loving God is, you know what I'm saying? It's like it becomes like a a little too, maybe overemphasized on that. And so um, maybe understanding why is it that father's heart and mother's heart is to say stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I found it, the more I thought about that question, I was, um, I, I was kind of, I was put in a position where do I love God more than my husband? Like, what does that mean? Because I think I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like what I, God is very conceptual, almost a, a feeling. It's a, it's a relationship that you can't actually physically see. So it is different and it's difficult to pinpoint, but when I was looking at it, I was thinking, when I look at my husband, and to me, he is a representation of of God, and we are meant to 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 be one with God. So as long as my husband is following the way of the principle in that he is becoming one with God himself, and he is making effort to do that, I feel comfortable saying that I do love God more than my husband if my husband is making the effort to become that person to substantiate God himself. And um, if my husband is pulling me away from God, if he is going the other direction of bringing me closer to a principled lifestyle, to a principled understanding, then I would immediately feel that division. Then you can know if you're being closer to God or being further away from God. And in many cases, I, I've worked with, in regards to the matching process, a lot of candidates have had to make that decision. If they really valued a life of faith, but mm-hmm. their potential future match was going the opposite, they really had to decide, 
do I want to, you know, um, compensate in that relationship and because I like this person or do I have to make the hard decision to say, I'm sorry, but this is not in alignment with where I want to be. So in that case, it's like, that is really the epitome of putting God first is if the person you're choosing is going the opposite of where God wants to lead you because you feel it in your heart. You feel that division, you feel your conscience. And then that's the, that's the decision that a lot of people unfortunately had to make uh, wow. in their matching process. My goodness. So you're essentially, if there, there is a, like a lack of common value, Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, and because there's a lack of vision or priority on the internal and the values and their and their vision for their future and their faith, there's a maybe a discrepancy between those and two people, and then over time the kind of div- div- divide becomes stronger and stronger to the point where either they divorce because the values aren't aligned. It's kind of based in just feelings essentially, or one of the individuals, as you're saying, is like drawn more strongly towards you know, prioritizing things that are not of God and of spiritual things like that. Are we saying? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. This is like, this is very introspective, Kathy. Like I have had so many conversations just this month about this exact topic. And I'm surprised you're bringing it up because it's incredibly, incredibly common, more common than you could ever imagine. Right. And I think because we're, we're literally talking with people that are going through this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so this is like maybe just a tangential uh, example. It's like, I, let's talk about me for a second, right? I wasn't going to talk about me a lot in this episode, but I just had to bring this up. (laughs) Fine, right? Okay, thank you. I have your permission. Thanks. I'm just emphasizing the point that you're making, Kathy. Mm -hmm. So when I got blessed, I thought, if you asked me 13 years ago why I received the blessing, I would have said 100% because I believe in the blessing and God's lineage and I want to to receive this blessing as a gift. I would have said that. But if I look at my life now in retrospect, because I've talked with hundreds of people that have gone through this process, if you ask me now, I realized only recently that maybe 60% of the reason my motivation to get blessed was because I understood the blessing, which is pretty good, right? But if I'm really honest with myself, I think 40% around there was because I was afraid. It was out of fear. This is more common than I think I think we realize. It was a fear of if I don't receive the blessing, what will my parents, my community think of me? What would God think of me? I would be essentially disowned by my faith, by my community. That's that was my fear. I don't think it would probably happen by my parents if I didn't do this. So a lot of my decision back when I was just ripe young age at 18 years old was if I don't do this, someone's going to be disappointed in me and I'm going to be unloved if I don't do this. Right. And I understand that about myself now, but fortunately in my situation, I had that 60, 70% in me that was like one that was completely um, convicted in what this blessing is. And I had a conviction to pull me through. And fortunately also my wife has this conviction. And if I ask her, she's like, she's a hundred percent. She's in the kind of person that's like, she, she had no real like incentive to receive the blessing other than her own belief in it. Like her parents weren't forcing out on her. Her siblings weren't forcing on her. She was like, I want to see the blessing for me. And so together, our percentage was something like 160%, right? <laughs> if total was like 200%, it was like 160. So we have this threshold at which our collective understanding and conviction in spirituality and God and bringing God into a relationship was past the 50% threshold. So it was able to drag us 
to understand God and the blessing more over time. And so that's what happened. Because if we were lower than that, and let's say my wife had really no conviction in the blessing and she was just doing it because out of fear, maybe her parents were you know, pushing it upon her. And then I received the blessing with that person. I promise you, our couple as a whole over, the, over those 13 years would have declined in our understanding of God, our understanding of the blessing, our desire to have children, our desire to raise our children in his faith would have been destroyed because it would have been overshadowed with the, the easy accessibility of just justifications of like, oh, this is important. What's really important is making money, having a good time, not having kids, not prioritizing raising a good family and our faith, right? As a lot of people do. So I'm emphasizing this as like, if you can have two individuals that have that shared value, that shared uh, value system and moral value code, then what happens is over time, they drag each other and they uplift each other. They embrace each other. And whether, whatever the difficulties are in that blessing, which is which are inevitable, they will come to a situation that is more heavenly and more godly and more God-centered over time. Even though, I might add, my motivation to receive the blessing, I think, was actually quite self-centered. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was. Not all of it. But if I'm really honest with myself, a lot of it was because I was just afraid, to be honest. So that's one story of many that I could tell how this applies. But please... Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's a very real situation, right? I mean, we always want to do good by our parents, by our community. And um, actually, I was doing morning uh, service today with our sub-region, um, and the big topic was filial piety. And that is a, a word that's not thrown around very commonly today. Um, it actually, our, I think our church is the only um, entity that I that uses that commonly here in the Western world. And um, I think being raised with the concept of filial piety, even though we don't com completely understand it, that's the heart behind a lot of the things that we do. We want to make our parents proud. We want to make our, our God and true parents proud. And so I think a lot of it is always driven hopefully not by fear, but a lot of it is driven by that expectation to, to make your parents happy and proud of you. Um, and so is that really self-centered? I don't know, because it's really serving the parents. And as long as the heart is good, um, it's, it's okay in my eyes. Um, so, but going back to this topic of having God in your relationship and what it looks like and dealing with everyday brothers and sisters who are preparing themselves for the matching process. Um, uh, when you speak about value systems, I think, you know, it's such a, I think everyone understands it, but until you really practice it in a relationship, do you understand just how crucial it is? Um, uh, where when you're, when you're common, I think things that you have in common is so external in the moment during the matching process, it's okay, right? You had to listen to the same music, you, you do the same sports. Actually, um, my sister just had a commitment ceremony a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And um, initially, um, uh, when, when they came together, they had a lot in common, which is, you know, sports. They're both very athletic people, so they bonded over that. Um, but when and during the duration of their year together, and now dealing with a new family coming into the process and dealing with how the brother was raised and how their parents are versus how my family was, a lot of challenges came up. And um, even though we belong to the same church, to the same faith, in the same background, 
the way faith was practiced in both families looked very different. And um, so even though we believe in the same God, we believe in the same matching process, um, uh, the way each side practiced it, you know, one side may be valued, you know, right at 5 a.m. all the time. And if you don't do it, you're a bad person. And then the other family value um, looks at Hundake as like practicing it actually throughout your day, whether you wake up at 5 a.m. or not, as long as you're attending God, um, that's how they view faith. So even though the similarities were there, it was a little different. And um, so they had to really sit with themselves and understanding um, uh, what is my faith to me and how is that translated into my relationship right now? And and even though the other person does, does it a little differently than I do, um, is that okay with myself? Does God accept that? And you have to really become very introspect in the way you analyze your relationship so there, these hurdles come up so that's the whole other side is we believe in god but what if your spouse doesn't want to do the exact traditions that you do you know so then we kind of get lost in the technicalities of things so is god really in the traditions is it in the holy days that we celebrate or or, or where is god really found in your relationship and i think that's a whole other topic mm. that you know is probably a little too too much to go into detail yeah. so how did they how exactly did they i want to say resolve or have any resolution to this dif difference in yeah it's a good question um i think they're still working on it <laughs> but a lot in our in our in relationships um it does take heavenly compromisation you know mm -hmm. um so I'm just going to give a real life example. My family, we're very Hundake oriented. Um, since morning devotion occurred, my parents and my brothers and sisters have not missed one day in the two years that it was running. And um, whereas the other family, you know, they're, they, 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 they see the importance of Hundake, but if they don't miss, if they don't do it at 5 a.m. and they happen to do it at 5 p.m. or, you know, it's okay. But their life of service, their house is always open to uh, to families. They hold workshops. You know, it's a it's a life of attendance that's expressed differently in, um, instead of the strict five a.m. call roll call. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and so when they're dealing and talking about these issues, at the end of the day, are you still loving God in a sense where you're putting true parents' words as an anchor in the way you live your life? Are you still um working to be selfless in serving your your future spouse and in serving your family and in serving your community so when they're really asking themselves are you checking up the boxes of living for the sake of others are you checking up the box of being able again i hate checking off the boxes but this mm -hmm. is kind of just a way to itemize things mm -hmm. you know at, at the end of the day just like religion there's different ways to get there, but the goal is the same. And I think that's what their understanding is in a relationship. And I think you touched on it earlier. When you're in a matching or in a even in a relationship right now, even with my husband and wife right now, sorry, even with my husband and myself right now, um, the way I was before we got blessed and the way I am now has probably changed. You know, I I cannot be like, miss i am who i am so take me for what i am otherwise you're gonna miss out no that's not gonna work you have to be able to mold yourself into what your husband also needs 
And he also needs to mold himself to what I need. And it's never going to be, um, you know, all or nothing. Uh, true love is being able to continuously work. And I can confidently say that now, you know, 10 years into our marriage, into our blessing, um, uh, I am happily shaped or continuously being shaped to become the best mm. wife, uh, the best mother I can be. And I am probably... 180 degrees different from what I was from the from the, the beginning of our relationship. And um, and that's okay with me. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Put a, a bookmark right there. When I ask, this is anecdotal, just from Benji's, you know, evidence. When I ask men, how has your wife helped you grow? 100% of the time, if they have any ounce of self-introspection, they will say, I have grown in every every way you can imagine. They're like, I've grown so much as a man. When I ask women, how has your husband helped you grow? They go, I don't really know. <laughs> wow. But you obviously are a different different flavor of woman, of wife. So how has your husband helped you grow? <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, in so many ways. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, let's just say, you know, I had a lot of confidence in what I presented to the table to become like a, a matching candidate, a wife. Um, and externally, it was putting in the process. I wanted to stay healthy. I wanted to stay fit. You know, I wanted to be presentable, but also internally, I, you know, all of these things I was working. So I was like, you know, any guy would be happy with me. Like, there's no issues with me. So it was a very like self-centered, egotistic way of approaching it. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you have a husband that obviously, you know, of course, in the beginning, um, there's differences. But everything is, you know, it's like, it's still the honeymoon phase. So everything you do is okay. Everything is great. And then, and then you get into the blessing and you live with each other and then you're working on your fallen natures. And, um, and I just realized that, first of all, it, it, it's a big help that the husband is patient. So if the husband is patient, you can actually be, be more, be more able to, to, deeply understand when you do wrong. For example, my husband is never quick to to yell or is never quick to debate me on anything. He will actually be patient enough for me to express myself in a moment, whether it's ugly or whether it's good. Um, and then later on, when I've had the opportunity to express myself, whether it's you know uh, my short-sightedness or my irrationality at some times, um, I'll realize I look over to him and realize that my words may have not been very good or the way he felt didn't really make him feel happy at that moment. And you can feel that in your relationship. You know, there's a little void in that in that moment. And then and then to be the bigger person, you need to go back and say, what happened there? You know, um, I, I realize that you're feeling this way. I realize you're, you know, you're a little distant right now. You need to have these adult conversations. You can't have the silent treatment all the time. So relationship takes work and, and both of us need to make effort to be open to express why that moment wasn't healthy for the both of us. And so I realized that I am very, I can be very quick to judge. Um, I can be very um, sharp with my words. And I realized that him as a man, that men can be sensitive, you know, that men are just not always macho and, and, um, and they don't care about what you say. But my husband actually does feel a lot when I say certain things that he doesn't um, like to hear. So um, it's been, 
it's been a lot of growth on both our mm -hmm. parts. Yeah. I think the, the explanation I give about what it's like to be in a healthy marriage relationship is that it's the closest experience we will ever, ever experience on earth of what, of what it's like to be in spirit world mm. in the sense, in the sense that according to how God designed Adam and Eve and humanity to be originally is that we are always in constant connection with God and we're living a life of no shadows mm. to the extent that when you're in a relationship day by day, if it's a healthy relationship, caveat, then there is no emotion or difficulty that is, that is not addressed mm -hmm. because you will learn if you're off, if you're angry, if you're stressed, your, your spouse or husband or wife will notice it'll be brought up. Right. And this is how like God created human humans to be like, you feel an emotion and it's dealt with, you make a mistake and it's dealt with, you get flare ups of anger. It's dealt with, but when you're single alone and isolated, it's so easy. It's easier than ever before to just isolate that emotion and squash it down to numb it, to escape that emotion with phones, with video games, whatever, right. Just being alone. And so when you're in a relationship, I realized this when I was traveling, you know, I went to a few countries, you know, this year in Europe, et cetera. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to have some alone time to reflect and, and see the world or whatever. And I realized as soon as I sat down in Italy in my nice beachside Airbnb is like, this really sucks. <laughs> it really sucks to be alone because I have all these emotions like stress or happiness even or excitement that is not shared with anybody. And all I can do is like be alone with those feelings and squash it down. If it's a negative emotion, like I was stressed or anxious about something, if my wife was next to me, she'd be like, Hey, what's up? Like, let's deal with this. And likewise, if she was feeling something and as she does, I'm there to be a sounding board, like a, to, to give feedback and say, Hey, something's off with you. Let's talk about it. Right. And we kind of butt heads a little bit there and that's how we grow. But if we're not experiencing that day to day, then it's like, we're constantly just isolating ourselves. And it's very, very rare to have a single person, not all the time, but it's very rare to have a single person that is so self-aware and introspective that they can deal with emotions in a productive way uh, with people in connection with people, because it's so easy. It's easier than ever before to escape emotions, just to, to numb ourselves with our phone or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, there was a comment that my sister had made when, um, a couple of weeks ago and she's like ate which means older sister in, in tagalog mm. she's like you really shaped kuya spate my husband i'm like what do you mean he's like she's like well in the beginning he was so like quiet he wouldn't you know he wouldn't be outspoken he would just take everything in but now he's able to voice his opinion sometimes maybe too much <laughs> but you know i'm like oh really so in a way, we both really bring out these qualities. And if you, and if you even know, if you're the same last year as you are today, then there's no growth that took place. So you need to constantly be growing into the person um, that God is designing us to be. And uh, and like you said, that works the best in a relationship. So that was mm -hmm. a good example that you did. I, I really want to make this very clear to answer this question that everyone has in their heart. How do I bring God into my matching process, but also into my future marriage, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can summarize this with everything we've been sharing, how is this done on a day-to-day -day -day level, on a practical level? Um, if you were to summarize it. Yeah. The way I think of it, um, 
you know, I think it's just, it's not simple, but the concept is simple is if in your couple, whether you're working in a matching process, whether it's in your relationship, if you, if you can define for yourself how it feels to have God, you know, before you go into the matching, obviously you need to work on your relationship with God. And once you have that relationship and you understand how that feels and you understand how connected you feel to God, how connected you feel to true parents, if it makes you love your, your family more, if it makes you feel more connected to family, more connected to community, if that's how you have developed your relationship, then you keep and hold on to that. Then you get matched. Then you get married. Is If that person is able to help you stay on that path, keep that same feeling, keep that same attitude towards your parents, your community, um, to God, to true parents, and even more so throughout your marriage, then you know that God is working in your relationship. You're becoming a more selfless person, selfless couple. Um, but if it does the opposite, if you get blessed or ma mashed and blessed to someone that makes that feeling go away, that kind of hinders that path that you've once felt with God, to, with your parents, with your parents and your family, then it's time to reevaluate, is God still in that relationship? So to me, uh, in my opinion, that's how I would summarize that. Got it. Yeah, okay. So kind of taking it incrementally, step by step. In a way, like I feel like you need to understand what is God relation with God first? How does that look like for you? Then, then how will you know if it's being carried into your life? How is it present in your family? Um, so I think it's still it's important to understand your relationship with God as the cornerstone before you even understand how it's working in your matching and your blessing. Well, I think that's wise because it, the underlying tone or assumption of that is that you're not going to be perfect at this from the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's tempting and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, to think of our relationship with God or God working in our life as a black and white thing. Like God is either present or non-present. But the reality is, I think if you change the perspective to God is always present, mm. <laughs> right? Like, come on, we're talking about God here. And if you question yeah. that fundamental fact, then I think there's some work to do in the fundamental relationship with God and understanding mm -hmm. of God. But God is always present. God's love is everywhere all the time. So yes. I think the more important question is not, is God present in my life or not, is how present is God? How, to what extent do I allow God to be in my, in my life? And do yes. I, to what extent do I experience God in my life? You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if you can think of this analogy or like this, this visualization of like, God is like a little light in your heart. I've heard from someone that's kind of spiritual and spiritually open. I asked, I asked her like, what is God actually? And she said, it's like a little light inside your inside your chest, right? That's how she described it. So ever since then, I think of this little light, right? And so if you can think of this little light in your heart, it's like, it's always there. But the extent of how bright and how big that light is, is dependent on how you allow yourself to feel that. And you allow God to let you be in your life. And so this is important because if you stop thinking of as black and white, is binary, the dichotomy of like, is God here or not? And the reason people do that is because it's easy, number one, it's lazy, number two. <laughs> and also it, 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 it induces a lot of fear. It's like, if God is not in my life, it's produces a lot of fear and anxiety. It's like, oh, what if I make a decision that doesn't involve God? What if I go down this path and there's no God there? 
What if I am just completely uh, riddled, riddled with self-centeredness and God is not able to work in my matching and my blessing. And I don't realize that until 20 years down the road, right? So there's a lot of fear there. But if you understand that God is always there, it's just a matter of how much we allow God into our lives, then we can make decisions with more confidence. That makes right. sense? More confidence. It's like, it's not that God's not there. It's just like, God is there. Don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't worry about that. Um, and so to, for me to answer this question is like, how do we feel, how do we feel God in our relation, in our matching process, but also in our relationship with our spouse? To me, the only, the only way to do that is to feel God ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's the only way mm -hmm. it has to start there okay. because if you are somebody that is individually wholesome, individually whole in the relationship with God and your spouse is as well individually, when you bring those two people together, they will form the perfect characteristics of God's femininity and masculinity. They will. And you cannot defeat a couple like that. You cannot defeat a couple that is willing to, to take ownership and responsibility for their life, their life of faith, their decisions, their emotions, their internal state, everything, because there's no one to blame. Does that make sense? So I, right. this is why I say like one of the greatest indicators for a healthy relationship is two individuals that are individually wholesome. Does that make sense? I don't want to say independent, like, because we need each other. Like humans need each other. Man needs woman, woman needs man, according to true parents, right? But individually, they're not needy. Individually, they have a strong relationship with God, a strong identity. Individually, they're mature, right? According to the three great blessings, individually mature and complete to some extent. Then if you have those two people together, there's nothing they can't do. There's nothing they can't overcome. You know, and so for me, it's always been how do I first and foremost allow myself to feel God? And when True Father says you need to love God more than your spouse, when I hear that, what I think is not actually like loving God, loving God more in a like physical kind of way, but it's actually what he's trying to say is putting the relationship with God first, putting your relationship with God before anything else. And that sounds like it's a little off. I know when people hear that, it's like, oh, you know, but what about your kids? What about your spouse? What about right. what about your barber? What about your mom and dad? I know, filial piety, get it, right? What, what I'm saying is on a practical, logical level, if you are not individually somebody that knows how to, let's say, receive love, how to be filled up, how to, to know that your, your identity as God's son or daughter is so strong and have in so much conviction in that, that there's nothing that can defeat you. If you are that kind of person, then you will be a better husband. You will be a better spouse, a better wife. You will be a better parent. You will. If you're somebody that can walk around every moment of your life, like I know without a doubt that I'm loved by God in every situation, and there's nothing I can do that would diminish my value as a man or woman, if you walk around like that, you will be an incredible husband and wife because you will be able to love people more. That's right. And we try to force love and we try to pour from an empty cup and we try to fundraise and witness when we're feeling completely empty ourselves. I talk every day, guys, with people who have addictions and they go out and they fundraise and they wonder why they're struggling so much to love people. It's because you're empty and you're trying to pour from an empty cup. Unless, And I tell them, unless you feel filled yourself, individually whole yourself and connected with God, you will not be able to love people because it is forcing it and it is fake. And eventually you will break. This is how people break. Burnout, as they call it, right? So 
for me, that's first and foremost. And it sounds like it's like, oh, maybe I should, you know, just love more and love people more. It's like, nope, I take time every day, even though I have three kids, like you do, Kathy, we've got a whole household we're taking care of every single day. I wake up and I say, good morning, kids. I'm going outside to take a walk because I need that time to charge myself. And I felt guilty about this for years. I felt so guilty. Like I can't just leave my wife and my kids in the morning and go take a walk or go pray or outside and walk around. But I realized that I need that because I'm not be able to be, be the person that I want to be if I'm feeling empty, you know? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like that one line that you mentioned about basically just summarizing how do you feel God in your relationship? It's not really about questioning is God there is, is how brightly is he working, you know? And I think that's a very good example or, or summary of exactly how it, how it works. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that. Yeah. Wonderful. So another large topic of, of uh, consideration that people have when they're trying to bring God into the relationship is parents, right? This is one of the textbook responses that people will give. It's like, how do I bring God into my relationship? Well, talk with your parents, right? And we don't disagree with that. I wholeheartedly disagree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with this, but it's something that's just kind of like, you know, glanced over and not really give, given much logical effort as to why that's important, right? To have a relationship of connection with parents. Um, but, uh, but what do you think uh, on that topic? Yeah, so I guess that question comes up often because, um, you know, as a matching supporter, my, my role is to just support, right? I'm supporting the candidate and I'm supporting the parents and understanding how they can help make this happen for their child. Um, so many times, you know, matching happens and, um, and the person that was suggested to this, to this candidate, whether it's by the parent's own suggestion or the candidate's own suggestion, on paper, it looks good, their profile looks good, but then you meet them and then you see how they interact with each other. And then a lot of times, you know, maybe the parents are not no longer so gung-ho about this potential um, potential matching, um, but yet their child, their son or daughter has, has begun to create um, a relationship with this person and then feelings are now involved and they actually do like each other and they see a potential in them going the, the distance in a, in a blessing. Um, but then you have the parents who are saying, trying to encourage that to no longer happen because they don't see the same thing as their child sees. So that becomes a big issue. And unfortunately it becomes very common. Um, so when that happens as a matching supporter, we encourage that at the end of the day, it's going to be your child's decision, you know. However, the process of still including the parents has to be there because we're trying to restore the what was lost, right, from the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve just disregarded their parents, their heavenly parent completely, and just did what they want to do. And we want to restore that. We don't want to do that. We still want to understand why your parents feel this way. What is their concern? How can we address this concern in a good, loving, and positive way and still work on this relationship that they want for themselves with each other? Um, how do we reassure our parents that their, that their concerns uh, are valid and that they will work on that and address it um, in a wholesome way as a couple? So uh, at the end of the day, it is going to be the candidate. It is going to mm -hmm. be you who is going to be living with this person. 
understand where your parents are coming from. Understand how this might play out if you do consider moving forward in this process. Um, but at the same time, um, uh, the parents need to understand that this is a new life, a new relationship that your child is undergoing. And um, it is separate from, you know, there's only so much a parents can control, right? God only gives the, his children so much um, uh, free will. He still has that 5%. And our parents' 5% is to ensure that this person is, you know, is a God-centered person or, or whatever it is that they want their child to, under, to have in their relationship. And from there on, encourage that child to now foster this in their own couple and not be too overbearing. Um, because again, it's going to be your child, your son or your daughter, who's going to be living with this person, creating a family with this person. So at the end of the day, it is going to be their say. And we hope that you still consider your parents, understand where your parents are coming from and, uh, and address that in your couple. Yeah. Yeah. And have give and take about it, right? Yeah, talk about it. Just talk about it. Mm -hmm. So the specific, the specific question that Kathy's answering which is in our q a uh, list of questions is quote what if my parents don't approve the person i want to get matched to unquote it's a very real question so thanks for your your input on that i would just say do you have anything else to add on that question no no go ahead <laughs> all right i would say if i was in this position as a son i would first and foremost ask myself is my heart genuine is my heart pure is my motivation clear or am I blinded by, by emotions and maybe lust? Okay, so that's first of all. And also I would genuinely want the opinion of my parents because there's something perhaps they're seeing that I'm not. And it's so tempting and easy as children, especially when we're young, teens, 20s, <clears throat> to think I know what's best. My parents are old, they don't know what they're talking about. But guess what? Your parents know you better than anyone else. <laughs> they raised you. And as somebody that has children, I can testify to this firsthand that you know your parents know you better than you do, perhaps. And maybe they're seeing something that you're not. So I would genuinely listen to them. Not say like, oh, they're right, just off the bat, but genuinely listen to their concern. Maybe they have something that they see that I'm not seeing. And that would be first of all. But also this part about having a genuine heart. I've talked with matching candidates, okay? So this is like a raw experience that happens sometimes. Somebody, somebody asks me to reach out to, you know, uh, a nice young lady or a, a brother and say, can you reach out to this family? Okay. And I asked them this question, what is your motivation? What is your heart behind this? Is this like a family decision or is this a, I saw this woman at this, this lady at a workshop and I fell in love, like quote unquote, fell in love. And so I asked them, where is your heart? And they're like, no, they're like, no, it's 100% because I feel God working in this. And I just, I just feel like it would be a good match. It just makes sense logically. Right. And they say these kind of things. Right. And nine times out of 10, when I actually asked like, who is the person I would expect if it was genuinely only because of God's design and God's matching, that they would be kind of like a, you know, an average person or maybe, you know, but they're always 10 out of 10 beautiful attractive, charismatic. You know what I'm saying? Kathy's laughing. <laughs> it's like, yes, I 100% believe that all you guys are reaching out to these sisters because you're emotionally, internally, you see how beautiful. No, no, come on. So, and I think if you people are really honest with themselves, they would also come to the same conclusion that we have to really question if our motivation is, is genuinely 
because we're talking about the blessing here, which is an eternal thing, we're talking about the blessing here, which is an internal thing, we have to first fundamentally look at the eternal. We have to first look at the internal. Because this is not marriage for the sake of marriage. This is not union for the sake of union for a lifetime. This is the blessing we're talking about. Okay, so that's what I would do as, a, as an individual. As a parent, if I was a parent, and I think this is also an e uh, important perspective to have, I would probably let my kids make the mistake even if I knew it was a mistake for them. I would let them. Of course, at first, I would be very like, this is like, this is my kid. Like, don't do this. Trust me, this is not a good match. Like, if I really believed that, I would voice those opinions. I would have give and take about it. But if they're still adamant about this and they wanted to make their own responsible decision, as Kathy mentioned, I would let them make the mistake and I would help, I would allow them to, to learn from that mistake and move forward. Because the best case scenario is they go go forth with this. And as a parent, it was it was a situation that was way better than I could have ever imagined, which happens sometimes, right? They're mature, they're yes, maybe in love or have infatuation feelings, but it was a spiritually guided experience. Maybe God had a hand. That's the best case scenario, right? And then later years down the road as a parent, I go, man, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong about this. When I'm holding my grandbaby, man, I was wrong. And I'm glad I let them do this. That's the best case scenario, right? The worst case scenario is that you were absolutely right. And it was a terrible decision. And they and it doesn't work out. And they split up, which happens. Probably. Probably will happen if it was a bad decision. If it was based in, you know, anything but internal things that matter. And even in that situation, it's not that bad because they learned and they won't make the mistake again. And as a parent, you have an opportunity not to say, I told you so, absolutely not, but to say, hey, I'm here for you. Like, let's work through this. What did you learn from this experience? Let's, let's move forward together, right? So as a parent, that's how I'd approach it. I would realize like, it's not the end of the world. If they make a decision, they take responsibility and ownership of the decision. And it turns out, however it turns out, it'll work out, you know? Yeah, no, um, I love those examples from the child's perspective and the parent's perspective. Um, and, um, you know, again, we just had a commitment ceremony. So my my dad actually shared very openly about the matching that just took place. And um, as a parent, he was very open and said, I, I, I judged you hard because I knew who, what, what I wanted for my daughter. Like you said, parents always know their child the best. And you may not know it, but we do. We, we see how our kids act in front of us and in front of other people. We, we, we understand how they feel. They feel. Um, so it was a whole year of challenge for this brother to, to get himself to the point where my dad actually felt like, wow, you have won me over. It's not over yet. I, there's still things to work on, but you need, but the way they did it, they communicated the both sides of the family. The parents communicated with the parents, the parents commu communicated with their children. Everybody was open into really understanding what needs to happen. How do I win the trust of my future parents-in-law? How do I win trust of my own parents towards me? And, um, and it's everyone working and taking a look inside themselves to see what is it that I am lacking if there is anything. Um, uh, what is it that I want to put forth, right? And um, this is a whole accountability on ourselves is how do I become someone that can offer the best to the family that I'm going to be entering into and vice versa. 
you know, it's not just the, the, the guy that needs to work. It's also the girl. The girl needs to put on the effort, right? You're going to be the mother. You're going to be the wife of a future family. So you need to understand how do we become the best daughter-in-law to a potential family? Um, you know, and um, I really liked that, that whole perspective that you put into play. Awesome. So Kathy, to wrap up, let's, let's go to the word of God. To your parents, you have a quote from it for us? Top of hand. Yes. Yes. So this was a quote from True Father in 1981. And he says, you know, Father's describing this matching that he just did. And he's talking to the audience and he said, you have the aspiration to live in the kingdom of heaven. And every one of, every one of you is wanting to live in that kingdom. But some people complain that my fiance is not a perfect match for me. We have so many problems and I want to break my engagement. But think about heaven and how to get there. The way to heaven is the way of patience and endurance. You must love unconditionally and sacrificially. God is trying to teach each person through his fiance, a realm that he could never learn in any other way. You should think my fiance is a gift from God to teach me how to go to heaven. Please raise your hand if you're a perfect person. Then how can you complain against your fiance? So as always, Father is encouraging, take a look at yourself. You know, how can you complain about your, your future spouse if you're not yourself perfect? So again, there's always that work that needs to be done. Yeah, that's amazing. Where, where can people find that quote if they want to read more? Um, I can probably find it and send it to you somehow. Sure. Yeah, I, we'll, I, we'll put it in the description so you guys can yeah. check it out. Yeah. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. If you have more questions for us, if you have questions for Kathy, please send it to us so we can get her back on the podcast. It's so nice to have this chat with you. All right, guys, be sure to check out the MatchNet program, which I forgot to mention at matchnet.us, the course step-by-step -step, uh, process through the matching process and all the education that you need. And it is super, super affordable and actually cheaper than if you just did all the education by yourself on your own. So check it out at matchnet.us and we'll see y'all in the next episode. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you.